0: In this episode of FM, we ask the question, how do gamers shape the games they play? Through setting themselves challenges, swapping stories, and modifying the games they love to create new experiences.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada, And today uh, we're going to have a little bit more of a chilled episode, I feel. I don't yeah. think it's going to be quite structured, this one. And we're going to be talking about the way in which gamers shape the games that they play, both whilst playing the games, you know, whilst they're kind of, you know, active, but also kind of like in the more long terms of thinking as well, where... Mm. The developers change the way they make their games as a result of the way the gamers play them, aren't
0: we? Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds very philosophical for a chilled uh, discussion, but it does, doesn't it? It's kind of like, um, yeah, it's exactly that. And I think, and it kind of came out of you mentioning that you were playing a a Nuzlocke challenge, which is Mm. a way of playing Pokemon in a way. What actually is the rules? Is it like where if a Pokemon dies, you can't use it again? Yeah, exactly. And you have to, you have to catch. Is it like you just catch the first Pokemon you see in each route or something like that? Is yeah, that there's, there's a
1: few sort of core rules. And then yep. there's lots of like added ones you can add or take away for like difficulty increase or decrease. Yeah. But the main core rules are a case of if your Pokemon faints, regardless of how it faints, it's it's out. You It's dead, essentially. And you've right. got to re- either put it in your box permanently or release it. You, you ideally should release it. And you're only allowed to catch the first Pokemon you see in each area. And if you ah, don't yeah, catch that first Pokemon, you can't catch a Pokemon in that area.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: So say you say you're playing, say, Pokemon red or blue or whatever, and you walk into Route One and you see your Pidgey your very first thing you, you see is a Pidgey. If you kill that Pidgey accidentally, then too bad you're not catching anything in Route One now.
0: Mm. So you could potentially lose a Nuzlocke, right? Because if you don't catch Pokemon... Oh I did, oh I
1: did lose. My Nuzlocke's over and I lost. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Because okay, I so got when pretty lucky. You, you will lose. <laughs> I, well, it depends. Because I, I I was playing um, with a slightly harder rule as well, where I wasn't allowed to use any um items out in battle. Like I could use um. them outside of battle, but during the battle itself, I couldn't use them. So I couldn't use things like antidotes. Oh. My poison, my Pokemon got poisoned during a fight. Oh wow! And like if the rest of your Pokemon aren't suited to a particular fight, other than the one that's got poisoned, then you kind of you know in a hard place there because yeah. They go, you know, the other ones might go out and just flail around and get killed as a result of the fact that they're just a bad type matchup. But you can't so you know, use the one that's poisoned because it's going to die as well. And mm. so I had some bad luck. I got a couple of nasty um, knockouts against <laughs> my better Pokemon. And then I had some pretty rubbish ones and I was relying on one catch. I had like one zone that I could still catch Pokemon in. Because I hadn't like I couldn't beat the next gym leader and proceed to the next location uh, with the post team I had. And I knew there was some good stuff in there. I knew there was like a machop in there. And I mm. knew that there was what else was there in there? Something else quite good as well. And I got a Zubat, you know. And it's just pointless no matter how much you try and train a Zubat up with yeah. this sort of like playstyle in mind, it, it's not working yeah so i lost and he' gave up but i'm starting to play the game
0: again without the nuzlocke challenge on this time just to enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's kind of we'll sort of come on to those kind of difficulty modifiers and challenges and stuff because actually what we sort of thought was the the kind of starting point for this in our minds is things like speed runs right because speed runs mm-hmm. are challenges is where you you know things like nuzlocke and stuff like that you're playing the game differently sometimes very differently to how it's been originally designed but speedruns is more about like you're just like setting yourself challenges and you're setting Mm. yourself you know and you do have different types of speedrun as well so like they've been around basically as long as games have right like i i did a little bit of background reading and i think it's kind of like I don't know, Doom is basically the start of speedrunning, right? Which is 1993, um, when, you know, there was people try to complete Doom as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, that's essentially what it is. It's like you take a game and you... Probably a game that you really like, and you play it over and over and over again, and you practice it, and you try and get really, really, really good at it, and such that you can do it really fast. And sometimes that involves... Not fully completing the game. Maybe it involves mm-hmm. exploiting glitches sometimes, and this actually comes on to challenges a little bit in that people then have their own like rules and stuff like that yes, as well. Like so you certain m-
1: things you are allowed to do and not allowed to do.
0: Yeah, like you might have. Well, I want to speed run this game, but I want to 100% complete it, and that's the speed run that I'm going to do. Or someone else might be like, "Well, I want to speed run the game, but I want to do it with all the glitches and just try and do it as fast as I can, literally as fast as possible."
1: It's like saying you want to fight, uh, play. I think it's like Ocarina of Time, for example, and that game can be finished in like half an hour if you exploit a load of glitches. It's
0: now down to like 15 minutes. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) but then if
1: you don't use those glitches, it's going to take you what, like a few hours, I imagine. I think it's a couple um, of hours so and that's what sort of the idea is it, or it might not even be glitches it what it's like Sort of secret as well, like uh, the original Super Mario Brothers, not allowing yourself to use, say, the warp zones. Yeah. Uh, exactly. you having to go through all the levels manually rather than using warp zones. So you can kind of select your own rules, sort of like what we were talking about with the Nuzlocke challenge, actually. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, the game, you're still kind of playing the game for the same reason. You're just doing it as effectively as possible. Yeah. The idea of trying to like min max your run of this particular game. And one of the things I really like about speed runs is that they don't have to be fast experiences, if that makes sense. Because, mm. for example, you got games like, say, Super Mario Brothers, which I think you can finish the full game, all of it, in, like, a few minutes. Yeah. If you use all of the kind of jump, sorry, all of like the warp jumps and perfect timing, and all that kind of thing. But you can then speedrun, weirdly if we were talking about it anyway, Pokemon, you know? Yeah. And that's not a game that can be finished in a couple of minutes. That, that even, you know, Fast speedruns are going to take like an hour and a half, I think it is, on average. I think it depends Mm. on which game it is, obviously, as well. But they're still speedruns because you've still got to be as effective as possible and as efficient as possible, and everything you do has got to have a purpose. You can't just like... You know, for example, I think playing through Pokémon... Like blue and red on the original like Generation One games, I think you always choose Squirtle because of like some things it does or has, and oh, if you choose yeah. like Charmander or Bulbasaur, it's going to be a lot slower. Mm. So it's all about sort of like a meta game almost within the speedrun yeah. community of how to play these
0: games. Yeah, exactly. And and speedruns have really, particularly recently with the advent of live streaming and stuff like that, they're now super super popular. You know, you mm-hmm. have those big charity events. If you don't if you've never watched any speedruns or anything like that, then you should definitely go and look at the Games Done Quick archives on YouTube of the recent Games Done Quick events because they are a lot of fun to watch because the speedrunners usually have like a group of friends or people from the community that commentate their speedruns. So you get some really good ones where they're telling you all about, you know, the things that save some time or, you know, and that, and that kind of thing. So definitely go and have a look at some of those if you've not heard of speedruns or you've not really looked at it before. They are a lot of fun. Even if you don't know the game, they're still just yeah. really interesting. If you're interested in how games work at all and the sort of how people really get... We've talked a little bit before about how like things and this is an example of it actually, gamers shaping games, of like how far down a rabbit hole you can go. Like mm. you can just like keep going down this hole of like deeper and deeper into a game or into an idea or into something. And speedruns have to be like one of the pinnacle examples of that. Of like there is just no limit to how serious and how thought out yeah. people get about games.
1: You know, it becomes down to like pixel measurements and yeah. like animation frame cancellation. Like crazy like stuff.
0: It's it's some of the stuff that people do with with speedruns is so impressive and so like these people have innate such understandings of games and how they've been built and how they work. Sometimes I think beyond even the people that made the game, I think yeah, that definitely. speedrunners end up knowing more about the game than the, the people who coded it because they find things and they discover things that weren't even realized. You know, glitches and bugs and attributes about the game. There's this thing in Super Mario 64, and I think it's used in speedruns, but I can't remember for sure where it If you make Mario a certain speed by glitching the game in a certain way, you can basically overflow the position of Mario and like loop round into clones of the level, but you're like not visible. You're basically like in another bit of of the same level, but... And I think, I'm pretty certain, I think it might only be tool-assisted speedruns where it's not actually a real person. But you can basically use that to like glitch and move around the maps and like do crazy stuff. And when you actually watch the videos, you're like, what is going on? I cannot tell anything that's happening. And you have to like look at explanation videos to understand. But there's a really good video about it, um, which I'll link to in the show notes. It's a little bit tangential, but it's just kind of interesting how, you know, people go so deep into this stuff. And actually, the fact that they do is then often reflected in some features and functionality in games yeah even down to things like games that have timers where they may not necessarily need a timer so for example time trials in in racing games or timers in fast-paced platformers so things like super meat boy uh, has a timer for each level and that's Obviously, there's a casual sort of element of like, oh, I wonder how fast I can complete this level and there's sort of a leaderboard and stuff like that. But also from a speed running point of view, you can use that to help you practice because you the game is literally telling you how fast you're completing it. So you don't need to time it yourself.
1: Yeah, you could, there's tools built within, into the game itself to allow you to do what you want to do in the first exactly. place. exactly. Rather than to use, like, outside uh, tools and assistance. I mean, you say, like, fast-paced games. I mean, there, there are slower-paced games that have that as well. Like, yeah. one of the ones that kept coming to my mind when we were talking about it just then was, like, the Metal Gear games. Mm. Because they at the end of the game, you're scored on lots of different things, like how many times you were seen and how many enemies you killed. But, like, one of the things you're scored on is your time. Oh, and okay. if you hit certain, like, time goals that depends on how much your rank is so yep. to get like the top rank i think in the original metal gear solid on the playstation one requires insane speed like an <laughs> hour and a half completion time mm. you know for a game that most people would have played for like you know 10 15 hours sort yeah. of thing so it's not that wasn't necessarily built in for speedrunners, but it's sort of like almost a. It's, it's almost tangential to it, in a sense. It's, very, not tangential, it's almost um, parallel with it, in the sense mm. that it encourages you to sort of min-max the game and yeah.
0: really, really learn this game and how best to play it. Exactly. Uh, and there's also a recent example that I thought was interesting, which was the people that made Ukulele. What well, In one of their patches, they removed some unskippable bits of the game. And they specifically called out speedrunners in their sort of patch notes saying, you know, oh, this should ho- this should make speedrunners a bit happier because now you can skip the cutscenes in the game that were previously unskippable. Because they re- knew and they saw that people were speedrunning their game, but that was a frustrating aspect, was like, oh, this cutscene every time. Because the other thing as well, you've, you've got to, when you're doing speedrunning, you've got to restart a lot because, yeah, you know, you make exactly. a
1: little mistake. And maybe that little mistake was like 15 minutes into your run Mm -hmm. and then you got to restart. You don't really want to spend another couple of minutes sitting there watching the same cutscene for the hundredth time.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, we could talk for ages about speedruns and maybe there's a future episode where we talk a little bit about... I certainly have some favourite speedruns of mine. Mm -hmm. um, So that we could perhaps do a little chat about some different speedruns and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. But as well as speedruns, going a little bit sort of further into more more modifying the game or more sort of like doing something that isn't just playing the game as it's intended. Mm. People, as we've talked about, kind of come up with their own challenges, right? Like the Nuzlocke challenge in Pokemon, but also even simpler things like just... Saying that, oh, you play through this game and you aren't allowed to die. Like, if you die, then that you have to start again. And yeah. you know, you pick a game that's hard, and that, that's sort of like a, you know, a lot of that challenge stuff is to just increase the difficulty. Like a game that mm. isn't necessarily particularly hard, like Pokemon. Um, you know, you make it harder by adding arbitrary rules. And this is, yes, you know, this goes back to just being kids, right? This is part of what any kind <laughs> of gaming is about. It's like you're playing a game and you're like actually i'm going to mix it up a little bit i'm going to change the rules to to make it harder or to make it different and that's how entirely new games are formed as well um you know through just changing the rules of things
1: you get a lot of bragging rights from doing these kind of things yeah um, that's often what it's about mm. it's much about making the game that you love last longer and getting kind of more bang for your buck so to speak when it comes to you know your gameplay length but it's also about you know being able to go online and say, well, I've just done this. Can you do it, sort of thing? And then yeah. people kind of up in the ante every every single time. Like I did this with this as well, or I yeah. didn't use this particular thing. And then it almost goes so extreme where you get things like people playing, say, Dark Souls on a Guitar Hero controller. <laughs> you know things like that like and the the people that do these things they're not even bad like you're watching like you're playing dark souls better than i could play with a proper controller (laughs) but that's that's really cool because i i like the fact that it creates a community because people sort of like you know talk about it and discuss what they've managed to achieve and like discuss their ideas of how to increase a game's difficulty or not even just increase its difficulty but maybe just change it up yeah you know make it into this other game and it also really shows and this kind of links back the speed of setting really shows people's skill yeah games as well yeah because the mechanics involved in terms of like physical mechanics like using your hands to be able to control whatever's going on on screen is infinitely impressive mm. uh when you see some of these people doing these things, i mean I, I, this is a little bit off topic but you look at some of the things that like starcraft players do yeah you know, with like their micro settings um you know the, the clicks they do are insane mm. and that in, in itself is impressive, let alone what's actually going on on screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that that is a big part of it. Sort of, you know, you complete a game, you enjoy it and you want to be the best at it. And so you set yourself challenges and you're like, well, I can do this. Like that makes me the best at this game that doesn't necessarily have a perpetual ladder of improvements. And so you just, you kind of make one by just mm-hmm. setting challenges and stuff like that. It's quite common for multiplayer games as well. So for example, you might have a way of playing a game that is more, f- that you find fun maybe with your friends. For example, playing a, a game and saying that you can only use snipers, or, you know, sniper rifles, or playing a game and saying you can only use knives, like knives, knives and, knives, knives and grenades? Knive? What's what's the rule on, what's the thing on Counter-Strike? Is it knives and nades or just knives? Or? I
1: think I think it's just called knives and nades. I think that's sort of like, the, like that's wait, what we used to call it back yeah, in Yeah, like when days, you can anyway. only use
0: knives and grenades. And yeah, uh, or like Energy Sword only on Halo or something like that. And actually that's an ex- an example of when we're talking about gamers shaping games is that actually in a lot of cases, like a huge number of cases, they if there's a sequel to the game, those rules get put into the game as a game mode. You know, if, yeah. if there's a particular thing that the developers are like, wow, people really love playing, you know... I don't actually know if this is true, but let's say, pretend it is. People really love doing Energy Sword only on Halo, so we're going to make an option that you can tick when you're starting a, a multiplayer match. We're going says, to annoy
1: some you know, really hardcore Halo fans with this, because it's either going to be true, and like, how did they not know that? <laughs> yeah. Or it's not going to be true, and like, oh, for God's sake, you could at least check their facts. Yeah,
0: lol. Um, <laughs> that's very true. Okay, I need to uh, try and think of a real example, a multiplayer game, where there's Well, no, I, that, I think that's fine.
1: I, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty confident that you know original halo you know didn't have energy swords in it but like halo 2 would have had them but it wouldn't necessarily have had like certain weapon select only modes so maybe mm-hmm. when halo 3 that came out you had to choose what weapon spawn and that sort of reminds you of the um like golden eye perfect dark era first person shooters as well where you could choose like what kind of mode so you have like slappers only or yeah. golden gun mode and things like that and
0: that's the so you're still playing the same game but you're playing a very different way of experiencing it yeah and that's sometimes, like you say, with things like Goldeneye and stuff like that, you know, it's added by the developers or sometimes it's the cheat codes or something like that, you know, the published cheat codes let you change the game and muck around with it. And they're kind of saying, like, this isn't an actual part of the game, but it's also just a fun thing you can play and maybe it's maybe it's cool for you and you find it interesting. One of the challenges
1: slash achievements that I really liked that valve added to their game was later on in their kind of like source games when they still actually made games was the idea of like escorting the gnome uh like how in half-life 2 episode 2 was it and like left 4 dead 2 you had to escort like gnome chomsky i think he was called and yes they can do the entire level and it was really, 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 really difficult and awkward, but you got, like, a little achievement at the end. Oh. And that's sort of them going, like... Did you not know about that? No, I don't think I did. No, 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 no. no. Have you seen this? So, like, if you play... I think it's it's the fairground level in Left 4 Dead 2. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, where you go to, um, like, the amusement park. And one of the things you've got to do is you've got to win a gnome prize at, like, a little shooting gallery game within the fairgrounds. Oh, so if you score yeah. enough points by shooting enough of the targets... This is all while zombies are around you, of course... You get to like win you get to win a gnome, but then you've got to carry the gnome all the way to the very end of the level and like survive the boss battle at the oh very end with it. but while you're carrying the gnome, you can't use your guns, you know you can't use anything except the gnome yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that's sort of like the developers you know purposely putting these extra rules and challenges into the game, and then sort of like tongue- in cheek saying, "You know it's funny, and you can, but you don't need to."
0: Yeah, and actually Achievements is a great example of this, like setting additional challenges beyond a game. It's quite fourth wall breaking in a way. You know, like you've got a game that may have a storyline, like things like Final Fantasy and stuff like that, you know, they'll have a very, you know, serious storyline, the game is very in-depth and there's a lot going on. And then sometimes you'll have these very jokey achievements, you know, sometimes they're secrets and you have Mm -hmm. to kind of look them up on the internet. Sometimes it makes them clear what they are. That's a similar example where, and I think that they, in some ways, were influenced by this whole bragging rights side of things in terms Mm -hmm. of like, oh, well, I can do this on this game. And it's like, okay, well, we'll turn that into achievements. And then you've literally got a a confirmed record that you have done something in a game and that becomes your bragging rights you don't need to just say it it's like well i've platinum this game i got all the achievements including the gnome guardian you know (laughs) achievement or whatever which i think is really interesting because
1: this is definitely another example of developers creating games that gamers have, have influenced yeah because i mean nowadays you you think games Pretty much every game has achievement system built yeah. into it, right? No matter what platform you play it on. Pretty much, it's like PC. You know, Steam have achievements. You know, yeah. EA's Origin has achievements, and then Xbox, PlayStation, and uh, Wii U slash Switch. They all have achievements built into them now, but yet yeah, you go back, say maybe I don't know, ten years. I think it maybe yeah. maybe a bit more than like twelve years. Because I think Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty was probably the first one to really introduce it um, with that gamer score. And that came about from people just wanting to brag and like adding challenges to games and yep. kind of like wack, wacky things that you could do. That's very much a case of gamers influencing games.
0: Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about achievements and and the sort of looking at the what your gamers are doing and stuff like that before when we talked about community management as well. It, it links in a lot with that, you know, listening to what gamers want and, you know, changing the way that your game works to help foster that because achievements especially secret ones is also part of fostering your community because then you're encouraging communication outside of the game between people to say oh this is how you do this achievement or you know this is a way of doing it and you know you'll often see achievements that are very hard you know and you and you go oh i can't do this achievement i don't know how to do it and then you'll look it up on the internet and then there'll be like a a game faqs forum post where it's like someone is like well this is how i did it like i found this way of kind of cheesing it or whatever like maybe it's like <laughs> like if there's like a particular enemy you have to kill in a certain way or something and it's like well if you stand over here in this corner then it kind of yeah they can't a bit, get and you can, and, you know yeah and all of that kind of thing and that's another example of it you know it's sort of like finding ways of, of sort of bending the rules or breaking the limits of games and, and challenging yourself in a different way or in the case of cheesing an achievement not challenging yourself but it's still you know an example of it you know i think that sometimes that actually influences it as well we haven't talked we haven't put this on our notes but some games purposefully leave in cheesy ways of accomplishing something yeah and then you know sometimes that's an achievement it's like yeah. you've, you know oh you found the way of doing well this, done this easy you know but that again that's kind of that fourth wall breaking you know it's like acknowledging yeah. that this stuff goes on and turning it into part of the game and that's definitely something that has happened more now with the advent of achievements and social mm-hmm. media and communication around games. You know, that's not something you find in, in, in Super Mario Brothers. You know, there's not like, no. you know, congratulations, you bounced on five Goombas in a row or whatever. You know, there's <laughs> not like that doesn't that's not a thing. Oh, that would be an interesting idea for like a, a sort of YouTube video or something like Super Mario Brothers, but with achievements. <laughs> anyway there you go uh,
1: money making idea <laughs> Got to do it released. before you release this episode though. otherwise you're gonna get taken yeah exactly but sometimes gamers want to go even further and there's only so much you can do within the rules of the game which you're playing and I don't just mean like you know the rules of shooting an enemy. I mean like the the almost the physical rules of the game like you can only do so many things there's only so many assets available in the game etc and that's where mods come in. Yeah. And mods are absolutely fantastic. And I don't think the gaming world would be what it is without mods. No Um, god no. And I don't mean that necessarily from the kind of Skyrim Elder Scrolls esque kind of way of like adding new armor or you know adding a different a companion or something like that into it i'm talking about like modifying a game to almost its core and yeah. changing almost everything about it to almost make either another game or just another game mode
0: within a game yeah and sometimes this is officially supported depending on it, it depends a lot on the game and the the way that the game was made by the development company sometimes it's they're officially supported. They provide the tools. You know, mm-hmm. if even you can go back quite a long way to sort of... This used to be very popular and very common among sort of uh, Dungeons & Dragons style RPGs. So things like Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter yeah. Nights and things like that. Because actually what the developers did is because they were making such a huge game and it followed very predefined rules and the way that, you know, it was every area in the game shared something about the previous area and stuff like that is they would build a tool to build the game. You know, they like build something that helps them build the game. And then what they would then do is be like, well, we've spent all this time on this, on these tools to make this game. So let's just release them. Let's give them to the community. And The community can then build more stuff for our game. You essentially harness the community for sort of future content. It's almost like pre-DLC and expansions. It's like, well, you know, here's the mod kit. I can make your own DLC and release it to other people. And they didn't need to do that because this isn't developers making more money
1: from this because it's not like they can charge for the mods that people make. But it does encourage people to play your game for longer, yeah, which does. thus keeps your IP alive longer as well and the interest in it. So yeah. that when you, maybe you make a sequel or you make a similar game, people are more, like, aware of your product in the first place yeah. because people are still playing it. Like, for example, it's 2017. Sorry to date the episode. You think <laughs> Skyrim came out six years ago. People still actively play it to this day. Mm. But yeah, think of a game that came out six years ago... I don't know, just a random game. That's my point. I can't think of something random like that, you know. <laughs> and that's not... It's partially as the fact that it's just such a big, massive, expansive game. But, I mean, let's face it, it's all about the mods, isn't it? It's yeah, all about... Yeah. People are still playing these games because they make more out of it. And... To some extent there is more money to be made, say by Bethesda, because they can like charge for DLC packages now. That's more of a thing. Mm-hmm. But it's less about that. It's more about the fact that you're still talking about Skyrim. So mm-hmm. when they inevitably release the Elder Scrolls 6, I don't know, whatever the next area is gonna be, you're gonna be a lot more aware of it than you would have been if Skyrim didn't have mods and you just, yep. sort of, just kind of everyone stopped playing Skyrim in 2012. Sorry, in two thousand yeah, two thousand and twelve, when it, you know, everyone finished it.
0: Yeah. And there's another thing as well about mods. Uh, which is sort of more philosophical, I guess. And that is that, obviously, this is a bit chicken and egg. And at some point, this wasn't the case. But actually, a lot of game developers cut their teeth building mods Mm. for games. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, particularly the more sophisticated stuff. um, And sometimes... Not only is it a good learning tool, it's like modifying your favorite game, you learn a little bit about game development and about how all of that stuff works. Sometimes also you're just directly hired. You know, we've yeah. we've made notes here about stuff like Counter-Strike and the people that made Counter-Strike, it ended up getting essentially bought by Valve and they turned it into a real game, you know. And that's a very direct and obviously quite rare example, but a much more common example is... Kids, for want of a better word, it's like that's aging aging us a little <laughs> yeah. bit. But you know, kids <laughs> making mods for games, and then that inspires them to become game developers or yeah, game definitely. artists. It's not necessarily developers; it could be anything. You know, maybe you're not very good at, at making the mod, but you've you've worked with someone, and, and you're really good at the story for it. And you know, and you've yeah. made a you've made a story a story mod for a game, and it's really good, and the writing's creation. really good. You know, and you've learned the learn how to do good script writing in games or yeah. something like that, and. It sounds like we're talking about something from the past because we, you know, with are referring to things like Counter Strike or you know Dungeons and Dragons RPGs like Baldur's Gate. But that's not true because Minecraft is a very recent example of something that has a very heavy modding community and mm. and a huge variety of stuff going on there. And that is a very much a that's not a, a really Minecraft isn't really a, a game of our generation. It's kind of the next generation. Uh, yeah, I'd and, say so. You know, so there. The, the, those people in the in the next generation, oh God i'm sounding so old i'm not even that old. It is my birthday <laughs> soon um, hey. but you know they're playing this they're 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 trying out mods, they're maybe playing around with some stuff themselves, and also of course the game itself is about building things um, you know so it's kind of a, it's almost a mod engine in itself mm, um, no, it is but you know all of that kind of stuff that this is such a direct example of gamers shaping games because they're actually in some cases making games and yeah. in, and even if they're making them as mods eventually they may actually be making them as actual games yeah <laughs> um, no, absolutely you know so it's i wouldn't say that mods are, are massively it's not like they're overlooked as such but i think sometimes it's it's easy it's easy to forget the importance of mods in the gaming community and particularly obviously the pc gaming community because that's where yeah it's, a lot more so that's i mean where it's
1: from. mods are more and more of a thing on consoles recently like yeah. you do have like uh, i i honestly don't know what they call it but you have like areas on say you know ps network mm-hmm. and xbox live where you can download kind of like alterations for games and obviously the sanctioned alterations like they've been through a, a vetting process by someone at microsoft or someone at sony yeah but even still like it's slowly kind of creeping into a yeah. into the more mainstream gaming. Well, also look at Steam Workshop,
0: right? Like Steam well, Workshop is a... Steam Workshop is fantastic. It's a, is a sanctions, you know, full-on, like, central re- resource for, for mods for games. And, you can... and I love
1: the fact that it's built in as well. It yeah, makes exactly. it so easy. Exactly. Uh, you know, gone are the days of having to, you know, randomly stick weird ini files yeah. into oh your directory and messing up with it. And then, like, one thing is wrong, so the whole game doesn't work now. <laughs> that was, and that then, was like, so you, bad. There was almost like a middle ground between that and now, where you had like uh, mod managers. Yeah. Like I remember, yeah. like uh, like Elder Scrolls games often had like a mod manager where yeah. you could turn mods on and off, but you had to make sure that the mod was created with the mod manager in mind to make yeah. it work. And, and they would clash with each other and all kinds exactly, of things. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like the direction it's going. Yeah. And this me too. is very much a case of gamers shaping games. Yeah. And it, it, we almost forget about it because. Because you're living it, you forget the fact that ten years ago that wasn't the case. Yeah, because definitely. we were making. I think we, like you know, definitely us. But gamers <laughs> as a whole, we're, we're making, we're making this happen without even
0: realizing it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you know, we we kind of influenced it by playing them, right? Like you know, we yeah, played definitely. a lot of Counter Strike. Does that count? <laughs> uh, a little bit, I guess. I suppose it is a very small percentage. Another example with Counter Strike actually is which I've remembered and I noted down just now is Gun Game, right? Which yeah. is a, was a sort of a much lighter mod than Counter-Strike. Well, it was a mod for Counter-Strike. Um, so it's like a mod for a mod. Uh, and that's now an official game mode in Global Offensive, right? Like that's yeah. a, that's another example, you know, it's, it was so popular and there were so many servers for Gun Game that they're like, well, we'll just put that actually in the game. Just put it in. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is only good, only good because it makes games last longer. People enjoy their games even more you know, they become more passionate about it. You create communities regarding mm. challenges, mods, speedruns, all the other types of ways of getting the most out of your game and creating this really wonderful community around it. Yeah, And it's just
0: exciting to see
1: what's going to happen next.
0: Definitely. And if you know, if you're listening to this and I, I don't think everyone knows about this stuff although I think a lot of people do and probably all our listeners do but if you don't and you're playing a game at the moment you know go and have a look go and see what people are doing if it's a game you really like go look on some forums you'll probably find some people speedrunning it or some people with ideas about how to make the game harder and how to challenge the game or maybe actually explore that you know the, the mod option in the in, in the game that you're playing you know maybe you've not really looked into that before it's, it's an interesting world to sort of look into and, and you absolutely
1: can fall down the rabbit hole as well You definitely um, can um, so it just stuff. doesn't stop like i got into uh this is a little bit off topic but i got into the mods for xcom enemy unknown oh, yeah yeah You know, and then by doing a few mods here and there for, like, changing up some of the UI appearances and stuff like that, I found the Long War mod, and then that just changes the game. itself. That's basically another game or expansion pack for the game, and that was so successful, it got hired by the original development team, and then they made official mods for XCOM 2 before the game even released. (laughs) You know, so you really can fall down that rabbit hole of never ending going from new mods and new ways of playing games and if you've got the time for it especially because obviously some people that just want to play the game experience the game as it's meant to be played and that's it but if you have the time and the will you know the the wanting to you can get so much more out of your games than yeah. you otherwise could
0: I'm, I'm just trying to think as well of games that I've played and modded that that i found really cool I'm just sort of thinking back I remember that I had a lot of mods for Oblivion that was not really yeah. um, you know that was sort of just like fixing the game like improving. The menu yeah, a lot, like tweaks, yeah um, a lot of tweaks yeah but also there were things like uh black mesa Source. you know the sort of total conversion yeah. that re basically remade half-life one inside half-life two they mm-hmm. ended up that ended up becoming an official game um, it did yeah there's also uh i thought of it oh a uh, freelancer freelancer had a whole load of mods for like adding new stuff to the game and you know new spaceships and stuff like that mm-hmm. that was really cool
1: And then they got made into multiplayer servers as well, so you can play all that stuff. Yeah, almost,
0: almost officially sanctioned upon the multiplayer servers. Yeah, it basically was. What else? I'm trying to think of other things that I've modded and stuff. Oh, there's actually things like you know maps and stuff, like playing Warcraft Three custom maps and stuff like that. You know, Warcraft Three an RTS game, but then there's so many things like tower defense and obviously Dota. Um, you know, but we used to play so many, so much tower defense games on on Warcraft three, and that's you know, we would basically have never played Warcraft three, but we played no, pretty it pretty much. We actually yeah. basically just played it for the maps and the custom yeah. map community, rather the game itself. That's a that's an extreme example of that, but you know, we got yeah. so much out of that. So there really is a lot, a lot to it, and it's really a huge part of of gaming, particularly PC gaming. But actually, in the long run, it's you know in the immediate point with the game in question, it's, it improves that game and extends the longevity of that game. But in the long run, it actually shapes the gaming landscape. And I think Definitely. that that is really cool. And it's really interesting to, to look at and think, well, what's happening now? You know, What are people doing to games right now that are potentially going to be things that we see as real games in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool and exciting. And maybe you listening to this have got you know of something like you're like oh yeah actually um you know there's this mod for this game that's really cool and i think that this is actually going to become a proper thing or you've you've heard about something interesting that you think that we may be interested in then you know let us know tell us your tell us your mods or challenges or speedrun story (laughs) yeah what way did you
1: change up your favorite game to you know more, make it harder make it last
0: longer that sounds like a answers on a postcard doesn't it it's like email
1: It also sounds like a bit of a bad innuendo as well but you know <laughs> make it harder make it last longer it's like those spammy. oh my god receive. yeah
0: we're gonna get so much so much stuff that's gonna be triggered as spam in my inbox Oh no! <laughs> but yeah you can email me just make the subject line sound not too spammy um <laughs> Here's how I made my game harder and longer. Okay, stop, stop. Mm. Um, You can email me, email me, email us uh, at show at octal.fm. You can tweet us. We're at octal.fm on Twitter. Uh, come find us on facebook if you want and i think there's a lot of things here that we've talked about that we should talk about some more um you know a little bit more about mods would be interesting maybe not that we're experts but maybe some stuff about how you might want to get started with looking at mods and, and game yeah. development and stuff that would be interesting maybe yeah, we can find a friendly uh, game dev who can tell us a little bit about that uh, in the future and come on and talk to us mm-hmm. about that or we should definitely talk about speedruns some more. Uh, maybe we yeah. can find a friendly speedrunner. <laughs> like just, just we can do some ourselves a and live stream it. <laughs> that could be one of the next things we do at the LANs. So. Oh my God, no, I'm I'm, I'm not very good at speedruns, that's for sure. Oh. But yeah, we'll definitely talk about some of these things some more. It's a lot of interesting yep. stuff. And hopefully you found this interesting as well. In terms of similar episodes as well, like
1: mm. the community management within games is going to be a big one. Yeah, definitely. That's That's very,
0: very closely tied into this one. And also a few episodes back, the episode about uh, competitive Pokemon play. You know, we haven't, mm-hmm. that's, that is actually an example of this, you know, turning a game that actually isn't competitive into something that is very competitive uh, is, a, is a great example of this. Um, so yeah, definitely go, go check those out. Um, but in the meantime, I've been Gelada, And I've been Seffron, And catch us again for another episode of Octon FM. Very soon. We'll be speedrunning to the next episode soon, I promise. Yeah, it's good. yeah that's our speedrun, is just recording episodes back to back.
1: Yeah, like we're going to do episode
0: 25 Like yeah, now. exactly, right now. <laughs> oh God, no we're not. <laughs>
1: well, if, we, if we knew what we were doing, maybe we could. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh, exactly. We have no idea what we're talking about.
0: Wait, don't tell the listeners that. No, they, they don't know that. Know. It's this all, is a it's perfectly
1: all seamless, <laughs> we are so all planned out machine. We are to- we are
0: totes profesh. Oh, very professional. Can you not, can you not tell from our voices? <laughs>